The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Thank you, all of you, uh, for showing up and being here, whether you're in person at the Zendo or uh, uh, tuning into Zoom uh, from wherever you happen to be. Uh, it's great that we can have this time together. So I want to talk a little about uh, something that we hear an awful lot about uh, in uh, Zen circles, which is uh, non-duality. So uh, it's kind of a tricky thing. Uh, non-duality. So we're taught that, you know, the source of suffering is uh, grasping uh, and aversion, uh, uh, trying, setting up a separate self and uh, trying to grasp the things we like and push away uh, the things we don't like. Uh, and uh, where it's indicated that that there's a bit of a delusion going on there because uh, since in reality we're not separate from all that is that our life is the life of all beings and the life of all beings is our life uh, what is there Uh, to push away what is there to grasp. Uh, In pushing away, we're pushing away ourselves, our true nature. Uh, In grasping, we're trying to attain something that we already have in full measure. So uh, this feeling of being separate uh, is a big problem. Uh, for us and causes us a lot of loneliness and suffering. Uh, And so uh, it's pointed out to us that uh, far from being separate, uh, we are uh, one with everything. Why are we one with everything? Because everything is empty, everything Uh, The existence of everything in this moment is contingent on the causes and conditions of this moment. And even as we note that fact, it's already being uh, changed because causes and conditions are changing. So uh, from this perspective, everything is one emptiness. Everything is equal. Uh, So when we start our practice, we can uh, often uh, look at it as uh, uh, what we're trying to do is get away of, get rid of that individual separate self and and realize uh, the oneness of all things. But of course, as long as we're doing that, we're setting up a separate self someone who's trying to realize the oneness of all things. Uh, 
So although uh, it's important to directly encounter the fact of emptiness in our practice, uh, uh, the fact of the equality of all things and emptiness, just setting that up uh, is dualistic. Uh, so uh, the problem is to really uh, realize the non-dual, it can't be something that we can rest in. Uh, it can't be something that we can grasp and understand. Uh, so our feeling of separateness causes problems for us. But if we become too attached to the oneness of all things, uh, that can cause problems too. And I'll, I'll give you an illustration uh, of that. So I remember uh, uh, that when I was uh, learning how to swim, uh, you know, I, I'd go into the water and screw up my courage and finally flop down into the water and the water would start getting into my mouth and ears and eyes and I'd go and uh, as soon as I did that, I would start sinking <laughs> and it would get worse. So I'd put my feet down and uh, get my face out of there as quick as I possibly could. Um, and you know, that's sort of like the experience that I uh, had in, in Zen. I wanted to realize uh, what the Buddhas and ancestors had realized. But as soon as I sat down, uh, my legs hurt like hell. My back hurt like hell. Uh, my mind was going uh, a mile a minute. Uh, and every once in a while it would calm down and I'd go, oh, there, I'm getting it. And I would spoil the whole thing. It was like floundering around in the water uh, when there was no need to do that at all. Uh, so when someone uh, began uh, teaching me about how to get along with the water, what they told me is the first thing you'd want to do is just turn on your back take your feet up and float. What a revelation. Oh, I don't have to do anything. If I just lie on my back, the water holds me up. And of course, the reason for that is my body is 90% water at least. I don't know the exact figure. Uh, so the density of the water and the density of Rio are pretty much the same density. And so, of course, it's going to hold me up. Um, what a big revelation. Uh, I am one with the water. Just by stopping all the struggling the water will hold me up just by being willing uh, 
to set aside this constant grasping and aversion. Uh, what we find is, oh, this might be a lousy moment. This might be a nice moment. But the abiding fact is, I'm just here. I'm just here with all beings, just as uh, I see you all on my screen. And I'm sure each of you is in a different state of mind. But one thing that's undeniable is we're all here on the screen. We are all in the water of Dharma and sustaining us from moment to moment. We don't have to do anything. Changes come and go, but we just sit up straight in our zazen and the changes come and go. We don't have to do anything. So what a profound discovery this is when we realize and directly encounter the emptiness of all things and realize, oh, I'm already there. I didn't have to do anything. There was nothing really in particular to realize. The emptiness of all things feels exactly like this. Huh, who knew? But of course, uh, because our minds are dualistic, uh, we want to think we've understood something. We've found some kind of answer. So if you think about the little boy floating in the water, so delighted with that, well, he's not exactly swimming, is he? <laughs> <laughs> in fact if he stays like that he's never going to get out of the pool he's never going to get on to dry land and go home and eat his dinner with mommy and daddy so it's not exactly uh, the way to go uh, to say oh I'm one with all things as soon as you say that kind of you're already creating a separation between you and all things. So the next step, after having total faith that the water will hold you up, is to let go of that discovery and to learn that there's a right way to swim and a wrong way to swim. Uh, Olympic swimmers, believe me, they're not going, oh, how wonderful the water is holding me up. Although it exactly is doing that, and any kind of swimming would not be possible if the water weren't doing that. But no, they, uh, they spend hard days and days and years and years of hard training working on their strokes working how to swim in the best way possible, learning how to swim like a champ. And then when the race starts, forgetting even that, just whoosh, letting go of all of it. 
Letting go of the water is holding me up. Just as it is. Letting go of all the years of learning how to swim correctly, to swim in the best way. Letting go of all of it and just So, Dogen uh, Zenji had a, uh, uh, a wonderful quote. Uh, he says, uh, when you hear sounds and see forms, engaging them fully with the whole body and mind, you intuit dharma directly. When you see forms and hear sounds, engaging them fully with the whole body and mind, you intuit dharma correctly. Uh, you intuit dharma directly, not correctly. So what is it to engage forms, sounds, and all the other manifestations of our six senses, uh, six one being uh, thought and the consciousness of thought? What is it to engage them directly? can mean a lot of things, but uh, to me, uh, the gist of it is allowing them to be there. Just allowing them to be there in that moment. Whatever it is, uh, whether it's joy, boredom, pain, whether it's a feeling like, wow, I'm really getting this, or no, God, I'm no good, I'm never going to get this. Whatever it is, engage it fully with the whole body and mind. Let go of any attempt in, in Zazen let go of any attempt to distract yourself and just sit up straight in the midst of what is. This is equivalent to uh, letting the water hold you up, even if it's crappy water, even if it's smelly water, even if it's not the bright, clear, perfectly temperate water that you want it to be. Whatever the water is, engage it fully with the whole body and mind. Let it be there. Open yourself. This is what it is to open the heart and open the mind. Instead of shutting things down, uh, because we don't like them, 
or trying to grasp them and figure out how we can have more of them because we do like them. When you engage whatever is with the whole body and mind, allowing it to be there, Dogen Zenji says, then you intuit the Dharma directly. And then he goes on to say, uh, this is not like things reflected in a mirror or like the moon reflected in the water. Now we hear that a lot because uh, in Zen, we use a lot of dualistic language to point the way people. So you've all heard this uh, probably, uh, the full moon of enlightenment uh, is reflected in every wave of cause and effect. or the clear mirror of enlightenment fully reflects all the objects that come before the mirror. When a Chinese person comes, it reflects a Chinese person. When a foreigner comes, it reflects a foreigner. This is very helpful. Dogen himself uh, used this kind of language in his famous uh, metaphor of uh, each drop of dew on the grass, though it's fleeting and temporary, reflects the whole moon. But here Dogen says it's not really exactly like that. He says, when one side is illumined, the other side is dark. So uh, if we're in the perspective of everything is one, that all things are empty, then we that's where we are. We don't see that, uh, for instance, we, we say that the beginner in Zen is just as much a Buddha as someone who's been practicing for 40 years. There's not an ounce more Buddha in the beginner than in the old practitioner. But that's just a perspective. The other perspective is a beginner is a beginner and someone who's been practicing 40 years is someone who's been practicing 40 years. A 20 year old on his first day in the Zendo is not less a Buddha than an old fart who's been sitting in, the, in that Zendo for years. And yet, a young person and an old fart are not the same. So you dwell on one perspective, the other perspective disappears. Uh, you dwell on 
the differences, then the oneness perspective disappears, according to Dogen. And that's been my personal experience. Uh, so the notion that uh, something that can be understood intellectually is going to satisfy us ultimately uh, is kind of a fool's errand. You know, we we never really give up on it. But as Dogen tells us, you can understand this or you can understand that. But the whole truth, which is undivided, is not susceptible to the intellectual mechanism that works by dividing this from that oneness from plurality. Uh, I'll conclude with a koan that uh, might uh, point uh, to the direction out of this trap of trying to rest in a concept. So, uh, Chang Ching uh, said to Pao Fu, better say that the Arhats have the three poisons than that the Tathagata has two kinds of speech. I don't say that the Tathagata is speechless, just that he doesn't have two kinds of speech. So the Arhats are these very holy saints. Uh, who have uh, focused on the impermanence of all things and because uh, they've totally absorbed the fact that all things are impermanent, they're detached from reality. They're not involved in the world anymore. And uh, uh, they're freeing themselves from the cycle of birth and death according to the uh, Indian way of looking at things. So rather say that these holy saints are completely screwed up psychos than that the Tathagata, the Buddha, has two kinds of speech. So Pao Fu says, what is Buddha speech? And Chang Ching says, how can a deaf man hear? Uh, when all is one, how can there be any separation between the person hearing and what is heard? Or you've heard the old chestnut. Does the sound come to the ear? Or does the ear go to the sound? How can you separate? course, in uh, Soto Buddhism, we say the wooden man gets up to sing and the stone woman gets up to dance. Oh, how can a deaf man hear? Well, Pao Fu said, well, I, I knew you were speaking on the secondary level. I knew you were still involved in dualism. And Chang Ching says, well, what would you say 
What is Tathagata speech? And Pao-Fu said, go drink tea. Go drink tea. Don't float. You have to swim. Now, being having human minds the way we do, we look at this koan and we say, okay, well, old Chang Ching didn't quite get it. Uh, Pao Fu got it. Well, Chang Ching was the complete manifestation of the Buddha Dharma just as he was. Pao Fu was the complete manifestation of the Buddha Dharma just as he was. Was one right and the other wrong? Were they both right? Were they both wrong? Ultimately, we have to set aside uh, this badminton game of right and wrong, good and bad. And we have to take a step. We have to follow the precepts. We have to practice the eightfold path. And one thing leads to another leads to another, leads to another. At each moment of our practice, we are drinking the delicious tea of the Dharma. And in drinking the delicious tea of the Dharma, we are offering this delicious tea to all beings. But as Dogen says, don't think you will necessarily realize that you are a Buddha Tathagata or that it will feel special or that you've arrived someplace special. Swim in the water, have faith in the water, let it hold you up and then see where it takes you. <laughs>